Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everybody, and welcome, believe it or not, to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined as always by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, no, now, there's no mothership. There is no mothership. We are We're on motherless. a We are, uh, maybe this is the place to start, John. Um, <laughs> I don't know what's more, uh, I don't know what about the last six months has been the weirdest part of the whole thing. Um, but it's probably worth unpacking a little bit. You guys will notice that we are we are back, but we are a part of now the Believe Network. Um, listen, you've, you, you probably have seen some things as to what happened with a lot of the shows from our previous provider. It's not worth rehashing, uh, but as, as you know, we, we kind of dropped off there in the middle of the basketball season. And, uh, you know, what we're happy to do is jump back in right as all of the other sports are ending. We didn't miss a lot, just literally everything from January until June. So it feels very poetic. You know, you guys will remember this is a, a highly regimented, very well-researched, by-the-book type of show. It feels poetic that we are now back to fill the void that exists in the summer for all sports fans, specifically those of the Michigan State Spartans. So we're back. And John, before I let you jump in, I do want to say that this episode is brought to you by Bet Online. <laughs> We're doing it. Yeah, that's right. Bet Online is your number one source for all your info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines and the latest matchup reports for, I'm going to do a little ad here. All the sports that are going on. Bet Online is your sports intel headquarters this season, whatever season that might be. And they have you covered for all your insider sports wagering needs from basketball and hockey to MLB, UFC, and boxing. The fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games, available to play right from your home. Get in the action today. Head to the website or use your mobile device to join. Be sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, that's BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Real that quick. Good. That was good. That, that is the peak of professionalism that we have reached in the however many years we've been recording this show, John. So we have sponsors. It's you. Go. I got to tell you, you're reading that, and I felt like a kid sitting in the front row while you're trying to give a presentation, and I'm just laughing. And it's not funny, but it's just because it's inappropriate to be laughing as you try and do something professional. Yeah. Like, look it, at us trying. Well, guys, we're, we're giving it our all. We are, in all sincerity, very grateful to the Believe Network. Um, for, for scooping us up off the street and, and bringing us to be a part of what they're doing. Um, and, and one thing that they're allowing us to do, we're just going to do some programming notes here up top, is they are letting us have our own sponsors. 
So not a joke. One, one very quick non-sarcasm moment here. If you would like to sponsor this show, um, we'd love to have you sponsor us. The more you sponsor, the more content we can put out. So yeah, hit us up. We always list those Twitter handles for a reason. So shoot us a DM, tag us, whatever. Uh, and we, we'd love to talk if you are interested. Um, and to that end, this episode is going to be much like the previous episodes <clears throat> from, from, you know, just historically one long chunk. In the future, expect to see multiple episodes a week. Um, one, potentially outdated, who's to say? Uh, but we're going to kind of split things up so that people can digest things a little bit better, you know, probably closer to a half hour, 40 minutes a show, uh, and, and have those releasing kind of twice a week, especially as we get into the season. So that's a whirlwind recap. John, uh, anything else happened for you since the end of January? Mm basketball season happened mm, uh, did it and you know what let's rehash that a few months afterward like you know the dust has officially settled how did you feel about i want to start at the beginning with the basketball team our favorite son how did you feel about the season uh yeah. Kind of the same way I felt. It, it it felt like more of the same. Uh, quite Ooh, honestly, it's sad. It is sad uh -huh. because the last three years have been very like not what we are accustomed to as Michigan State Spartan faithful. Um, you know, second year in a row, I think, with a a middle of the road seed a year after being in the first, you know, two, two years removed from being in the first four, it's been a stretch of mediocrity that we don't see a lot in the Tom Enzo resume. And, uh, you know, I think the thing that was so frustrating about this team, and again, we're like, just, just pulling, like we're digging six feet into the ground and pulling this dead body out. But um, it felt like a lot of it was avoidable. Uh, many of the issues with the team were it's seemingly personnel related team didn't have really you know a reliable center definitely didn't have a reliable backup center until the very end when we saw some exciting stuff from Carson Cooper um lacked a little bit of front court athleticism especially on the wing you saw what happened to the four position and kind of that three once Molly Hall went down um I was proud of the way that they fought down the stretch you know like a lot of heart which we've seen now a couple of years in a row that's still that's true so let's i will say this tom Izzo got the most out of this team he maxed right. that was the you saw it that was the most you were getting out of this team there probably wasn't a lot left uh, toothpaste to squeeze out of that bottle and right. that's what that's what he does though like that's why he's the goat like he is the goat uh, especially of active coaches so problem is that team's not good enough to win a nat and I know everyone liked to pretend that it was like, oh, this was the year and everything was falling in front of us. And it's like, well, <laughs> Kansas State got handled by Florida Atlantic. Florida Atlantic got handled in their next game. You know what I mean? It's like, yep. It's like, let's not revisionist history this season too hard, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I think the frustrating part, well, first of all, I mean, so I say all these things like, eh, a little bit more of the same. I'm really kind of referring to the regular season. Obviously, they made the Sweet 16. They upset Marquette. Like, you can take away some very positive things away from this season. The you know, 
which was awesome. Like, and that was maybe the frustrating part is you, you were waiting for that all year. I don't think no. they could get to that until the end of the year, though. I'm just like, I don't yeah. think they were talented enough to get to that level until the yes. end. Yes. And I think that that's part of the frustrating, that, that that's a, a part of, not a small part of the frustration, is that they were in a position talent wise and roster makeup wise that didn't allow them to live up to the standards that some of their players were capable of living up to. Like, if you look around the team, a handful of those players could have played just about anywhere in the country. I mean, like you, when, when they were at their best, Tyson Walker, AJ Hogard, Joey Hauser were all Open. right up there. I mean, good enough, good enough to carry a team, you know, potentially even further than they went, but the players around them, some of them really good players. I mean, I think Jordan, Jade Nakins, you know, obviously has a chance to be a pretty darn good player this upcoming season. I think you've seen potential from Sissoko. You've seen, you know, little uh, pops here and there from kind of the rest of the roster. It's just, it was put together in a way that didn't allow them to do the things they needed or wanted to do consistently. And again, that was kind of like handcuffs of Tom Izzo's making by not utilizing the transfer portal and by, you know, kind of whiffing on a few uh, recruits. Now, as we look forward, a lot of those players that were really playing well at the end of last season, notably AJ Hogard, like they're all coming back. Yes, Joey Hauser is gone, but those really important pieces, again, Tyson, Walker, and Hogard and Akins, arguably three starters on next year's team, are all coming back. Add to that the freshman class that's coming in that I know we talked about a ton while we were still doing the show. Uh, they really fill in those gaps that this team was missing really well. Garrick Norman, the shooting guard, brings just high-level shooting that this team, despite having a lot of guards on it, lacked to a certain degree spot-up shooting. Um, you know, Xavier Booker obviously brings a ton of athleticism and length to the front court. That was sorely missing. Uh, Cohen Carr, again, talk about athleticism and explosion on the wing. That guy is going to be everybody's favorite player from the first game of the season. Um, and then Jeremy Fears. I mean, he could end up being the actual best or most impactful college player of, of all of them and has a real chance to steal playing time as the backup point guard um, from Trey Holloman kind of from day from day one. You're talking about le legitimately four guys that will, at a, bare, at a bare minimum, raise the floor of the team substantially and allow them to do a lot more with mixing and matching. I mean, you, you saw it, you know, like, I don't think anybody matched up with Zach Eady particularly well this year. I mean, he, he <laughs> ate everybody's lunch, but. Except for it, the NCAA tournament game, which is the except, funniest uh, thing that's ever happened. I think that <laughs> might be the thing I regret being not doing the show the most for, um, was that spectacle. But still, until Fairleigh Dickinson, uh, no, he was eating everybody alive and Michigan state just didn't have any answers or anybody that could really challenge him defensively. Cause the only way to put him in a position where he's not going to do well is to make him defend and Michigan state had nobody that could make him defend. So naturally he just had two massive games against them uh, last that's year. So funny. That's why the fairly Dickinson thing worked. Like, I truly believe if they had a kid, some stiff that was like 6'9 or 6'10, they would have lost that game. Like, they right. were forced into doing something different. 
and you know denying the entry passes like doubling him before he even got the ball it was incredible because they had no one over six six on the team yeah like and and he can't guard that well and then that they happened to hit shots you know and, and it became in this impossible situation i mean that was a movie loss like it's it the script was too stupid it's like and then they'll have some seven four player of the year behemoth on the in the final game there'll be a one seed like that's a terrible movie i don't want to i don't want to watch that movie because it's too on the nose and the fact that they lost and matt painter is now lost to 16 seed 15 seed i think like a 13 and a 12 mm-hmm. in the last like six years it's like they're the best in the big 10 and we go back to the michigan state you know not having enough talent dude the big 10 doesn't have enough talent we did not last year. That's nobody sure. talks about how the Big Ten stinks. And yes, they're the second best or best conference in the country. But you know what that means? It means college basketball kind of stinks. I also, I'm not like 100% sure. I, I think there's a lot more variability in that statement than there this year or moving forward than there has been historically. Like, I much as people don't want to admit it, like the SEC in particular is churning out like very competitive teams top to bottom of that conference, like Big pretty consistently stacked. now. Big 12 stacked. Big, Big East, East is, is getting getting back there. I mean, I mean, wasn't UConn a Big East team now? You know it. Yeah. I mean, the champions, the reigning champs are from the Big East. So I don't think the Big, the Big Ten is, is very lucky that they have the historical like – uh, kind of cachet that they do because otherwise, you know, we, we could be singing a very different tune here. Cause it's not, I mean, there's, there's a, there's a lot of very suspect, um, Sus. suspect teams top to bottom there. And it really wasn't anything like, like outside of Purdue, who was any good in the big tennis? I mean, like, here's the thing. There are a bunch of like meaty teams. Like, yeah, they're fine. Like it was a fine conference. But it's a, not a national championship winning conference. It just isn't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, um, hasn't been for a couple of decades. <laughs> there I mean, been hasn't been since 2001. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 2000, you know. Oh, yeah. But, but I think, you know, there have certainly been some very, very good teams since then. That's a little unfair. But I just think as a conference. And, you know, I think uh, you know, there's an opportunity this year. We're all kind of pointing to this year and uh, upcoming year with the freshmen and everyone returning and, uh, man, we didn't even talk about the Jaden Aiken saga. Um, no, that was about any of it. Funniest thing, we're, guys. If you wanted a tight program, I'm sorry, we're just gonna meet. <laughs> um, do you remember the drama or manufactured drama from one yes. Michigan fan who wanted to try and like pretend he was an insider? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you saw a lot of domino falling gifts this past few months. He thought he was tampering. Like, he thought he was helping the Michigan program. Like, I think he really thought he was helping. And (laughs) that's the worst part. If Michigan wants you to help, they'll tell you. I promise you. They will tell you how to help. If they think you can help, they do not think you can help. (laughs) It says they do not ask. And you know what happened? Jaden Akins, uh, for a bunch of other reasons, um, decided to return to Michigan State. Uh, you know, flirted with, um, you know, portal flirted with professional flirted with just, you know, seeking himself elsewhere. 
you know, finding himself. Uh, and he's decided that, you know, maybe making a, a run uh, with this the squad again uh, was the best option, which I mean, who's to say, right? I, I'd like to think it is, but returning with Tyson and AJ, um, he's going to get his shots. You know, uh, he's the best shooter on the team, three-point uh, percentage-wise, now that Hauser's gone. So he's going to have plenty of looks. Um, but I th- he's kind of the key he, to me for the season. Um, yeah. Taking uh, another step forward. I mean, I think that this team, like, I think one of the one of the things that excites me the most is just the there's there's depth here where there hasn't been in yeah. a few years. Yeah. Uh, and that to me alone is huge because at a minimum, we're talking about the the high, high level practice that these guys are gonna have against each other. Like think about think about that backcourt and how they're all practicing against the, like the names that are practicing in that backcourt every single day. It's Tyson, it's AJ, it's Trey Holloman, it's Jeremy Fears, it's uh, Jaden Akins. It, I mean, like that's, those are five very, very quality guards. Like that guard rotation, and I might even be forgetting people, and uh, Garrick Norman is probably factoring in there. Like that's a lot of depth. That's a lot of varied skill sets. That's a lot of what I think especially is important is that's a lot of um, ball handling ability. Like this team is not going to be hamstrung if one of its top ball handlers goes down because there are legitimately, uh, I mean, at least five, all five of those six, Norman's the only one that wasn't, they all are more or less point guards or have played significant amount of time as like the main on ball guard. Like that is, that is an incredible luxury that I'm sure will serve them well as, you know, cause inevitably guys get nicked up throughout the season. So uh, I, mean, I think that is that is huge. Again, the front court, like we saw Carson Cooper, who I clowned personally and privately for quite some time, uh, step forward and like it's kind of he, he's hooping a little. He listen, if nothing, this see this is here's a very good encapsulation of what I thought about this year's team. I was so embarrassed that a B team high school player was on this roster. There are some other circumstances that made him have to be that, which I learned later. But, you know, hey, hand up. Uh, The fact is he, uh, on this roster, stood out because he did all that a center needs to do on a college basketball team. And that is run to the rim, try as hard as you can, like get rebounds and foul hard. Like that was it. He set picks. He did all dunk. of the basic dirty. Dunk. Yes, dunk, dirty work stuff that you need from that position. No shooting. And, and, uh, no shooting. Absolutely not. But I, I think that he has a chance to be um, like more than that role player. Again, I, I don't know that you're ever like dumping the ball down into him or anything like that. But I think you saw the emergence of a twelve to fifteen minute backup five, and on a team that's going to have some like athletic fours in Booker and potentially in Cohen Carr if they go small ball. Like that's a really nice body to have. And guess what? Maddie Sissoko, we saw him, you know, take a step forward this year. So I just think you have like depth and a variety of skill sets that's going to allow you to kind of match up with just about anybody this year. Whereas last year you were very pigeonholed into like we have to play this style of ball and we're just gonna have to make shots or this isn't going to work. Well and they were you know as we know they got hurt. You know, mm-hmm. Hall and Akins, and because they yes. had no depth, you know, you just they get, like again. I think Izzo got as much out of him as he could, and, and got him 
you know, peaking at the right time once the depth came back, you, you know, heaven forbid someone gets hurt. I think you, you there's not going to be a severe drop off and, and you can recover and, and even hit that same peak, even if that person didn't return just because you have so much depth. I mean, obviously you hope it doesn't happen, doesn't kind of a theoretical, but we're talking about you. We will need to brace ourselves for a couple of things. I just want to get it on the board. This team's not going to be quite as good as everyone thinks they'll be right out of the gate. It's just, just how it works. This isn't me being like, because of this person, that person. It's just how it works. Michigan, we know how it works, guys. Yes. And every year there's the like the February slump and we're like, they might miss the tournament. And we've done it for 23 <laughs> years. Okay. And you know what? It's just how it works. So just like let it happen. Okay. So now that we've covered that the season's not going to start as well as you know, we'd like it to considering the talent. Um, I think you're going to get to also enjoy our, um, everyone's least favorite thing, which is the time is a tinkering. There's going to be a lot of tinkering, unnecessary tinkering. Um, and it's going to bug everybody because we're going to see the <laughs> flashes of talent from literally every player that plays. And we're going to say over and over, man, if they could just all play to, that well at the same time, they could win it all. And guess what's going to happen? They're going to figure it out. It's going to start to click. And you're going we'll see what happens in March. But just playing the movie ahead of time because we've already seen it. And we don't have to pretend like it's not going to happen. <laughs> it, yeah, it is better to get out in front of it because you're, you, you couldn't be more right. Like, the, I, I hadn't even, like, opened my brain to the tinkering part. But, like, oh that is, I suppose, is the one downside to having so many players to choose from there's a sweet spot for Tom Izzo Mm -hmm. there really is and I don't think this team falls into it necessarily now that does not mean they can't be very good and accomplish some amazing stuff including like I think they're of the talent level and experience level where they they could win the whole thing I don't see any reason we should also say that like there's nothing wrong with putting that on the board as like this is a possibility. Dude, so Izzo wants an eight-minute game and only has six players. Like that yes. is a sweet spot. He's like, I would like no subs. <laughs> well, he he his his ideal team, I think, is like like seven really good players and like one other guy he can throw into the mix. Anything more than that, he just like doesn't. I think he, it's like too many bright and shiny things. Like he doesn't no, know just- what to do with that. He's like, no, I, I prefer to play on Heisman. I don't. I don't yes. Like I like the challenge. Make this, this more difficult for me, please. The sliders are uh, too low. Let's pump them up. Absolutely uh, juiced on his version of the game. So we're feeling good about next year. We, we wrapped the past year. Um, solid little run. We all just want Tom to get the second. That's why we're so hard. Mm. I mean, that's ultimately why. Is <clears throat> not mad at tom we're just mad period because we're getting older and also because like we see the window closing and um whether you want to admit it or not so this is one of the better chances in a while you actually have nba talent on this team i mean mm-hmm. all like it is like there was not nba talent on the last few years with the exception of max christie and he with all due respect looked like the kid on a jv team pulled up for the varsity for the nba playoffs like mm-hmm. didn't play. So like that, that's the, it, like now you have guys that are going to play in the association and now you get to talk about really big trophies and mm-hmm. 
and real banners and you know one thing at a time but it's uh jimmy's and joe's man yeah 100 percent. we've said we it once we've said it a million times because we got the x's and o's tom's got it covered so we, yeah uh, that, man that would be really fun i'm really just looking for one team to kind of you know any of my professional is teams this is the any one of my college teams to really give yeah just an honest to god shot and that is one thing i do want to say like we shouldn't shy away from the expectations. Yes, embrace yourselves. Like, be, you know, be. This team should compete for the conference. Like, no question, they should compete for the conference. People are saying that this 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 Purdue team is, you know, one of this historically loaded team. If it's most of the players from last year, I think that's like actually impossible because that was that was that was a good team. It was a good team. It was a good team with an absolute freak in the middle. And that freak is going to allow you, and he's extremely talented, and he's going to allow them to win a lot of games. There is no reason why Michigan State shouldn't be right in that same race. I don't look around the conference and see a ton of other teams that are all that close to Michigan State's caliber. Again, we're sitting here in June and saying this, but you know, I, I don't see why they shouldn't be right in, in that race at, for starters. And then beyond that, Again, like they return so much experience. They return so much ball handling, a ton of shooting. They have a ton of versatility, a lot of talent. Like if you look at the things that matter and that all these championship teams do, look at, I mean, look at UConn. Tons of different matchup options. They could throw the ball in the middle. They could push it. They could shoot it. They got tons of length. Like that is something that this team has they had a bunch a lot of experience on that team too a lot of upperclassmen contributing like the the common denominators are the same across championship teams pretty consistently year in and year out the michigan state has a lot of those factors going in and we shouldn't we should not be afraid just because the last few years have been tough to hold our team to that standard like they they should have that expectation of themselves and i'm sure Tom Izzo is is making them feel that I, I I before we move on to football, um, I saw something where the Final Four banner for this mm-hmm. year was mm-hmm. like already being Good. Uh, shown in the in the in the practice gym, which I could not love more. That tells me everything I need to know about the expectations that they have of themselves and the standard that Tom's setting for this team. I absolutely love it. I mean. <clears throat> I think every program should have that banner up. You know, like oh, I agree. That's not the goal is to not win the championship. Then what are you doing? Yeah. You know, so that's so I'm not afraid of to say it at all. Like, yeah, this season they should compete for the national championship. Is it a failure if they don't? I don't know if we can say that. I can say that they have enough talent to win it all. They I don't know if you could have said that for the past three years. So definitely not. I mean, yeah. definitely not. Like, you have to go back, uh, I mean, to the, to the Jaron Jackson team. Well, 2020, yeah. we think that, you know, oh. the COVID year, I think we could feel like they had enough. Yes, they did. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I try not to think about that personally. But, you. yes, you're without a question. They're, well, they had, they had all they needed, which was the, which was the main man, Cassius. But let's not – let's not – we've exhumed one body. We don't need to do another. Um, okay, great. Well, that was fun. Do you feel good? I feel better, okay. I think. Um, so now I guess it's time to get maybe a little sad again. 
Or mad. You can pick. Or mad. Great. You pick. Pick your emotions. It's kind of like a pick your adventure. Choose your adventure here. Uh, okay. So the NFL draft happened. We saw that together. That was. Uh, we sure did. That was a fun experience. Um, we went to a, a Chicago bar. Uh, tell, t- explain your your situation because it was just quite the. It's quite the experience. You, yeah. So any any Chicago listeners have probably heard of a place called Bird's Nest. Um, great little dive wing spot, kind of infamous in the Chicago uh, sports bar scene. And a, a lot of my friends have been going there for probably the last 10 to, to 13 years. And this year was no different. Got the boys there. John came along. It was John and I. So John and I talked to each other pretty much every day for the last many, many, many years, but like specifically since COVID, like every day we did this pod all the time. We realized we set these plans that we hadn't actually seen each other in person. We did used to record in person way back when. Uh, We hadn't seen each other in person since before the pandemic. So Mm -hmm. it was quite quite the event uh, to get to get out with the boys, have a couple beers and, you know, um, watch the Lions draft a running back and a linebacker in the first round. You know, what 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 else could you ask for? It was those was, was a slew of emotions being very mad online. Um, very, very mad offline was a new feeling for me. <laughs> amongst other people learning how to control myself. And then the reasoning, um, a lot of bargaining. We felt good mm-hmm. about the draft. But uh, yeah, we went to, to that and we saw a few, well, I guess we didn't see anyone get drafted that day, but three Michigan State Spartans uh, drafted uh, Jaden Reed, third round pick to the Packers. So um, probably get to see second him. round, wasn't he? Oh, second. Oh, my bad. Uh, third, I don't know. Yeah, I think you're right. And then our our favorite, favorite son, uh, uh, Bryce Berenger, drafted, mm-hmm. of course, by the Patriots, right? Like. Ugh. It's the right pick. That was the Just, exact best pick. Like I can't explain how happy I was, even though I'm not, I've never been a Patriots fan. Like that was just such a beautiful moment to see the, to see him get drafted by such a smart franchise. I'm I'm very excited for the first time to actually kind of root for the Patriots oh. because at least it's going to be great because I'll be rooting against them offensively. I'll be rooting for them to punt the ball. It's yes, going to be awesome. Perfect. You don't have to like that. You can root for them to lose and still have your favorite player have a lot of success. Fantastic. We're looking for the FedEx special teams uh, player of the week or whatever. This, <laughs> every single week. I'm looking for him to just rack up those awards. Um, and then I think in a shock, at least to me, Amir Speed was drafted also. Uh, by the Patriots. Talk to me. Talk me through that. Dude, okay, we need to, and everybody wants to get on Mel Tucker's case because last year wasn't good and there's been all this drama and turmoil with the recruiting department, yada, yada, yada. Which we'll get to. Which we will. (laughs) And get get mad about. And get mad. And get very mad about. But the point is, this man has come in, and I'm going to name just a few players that he has gotten drafted. Uh, Amir Speed being the latest example. He got... AJR Curie drafted and he got Connor Hayward drafted. These are uh, Brian Allen got oh drafted. Like <laughs> these are not players. Again, I love them all. They're very, they're, they're, I, I love them like they're my own, but let's be very real. These are not guys that 
years ago would have been drafted from Michigan State. And now, for whatever reason, they are being. And that speed, admittedly, comes from Georgia. I'm sure there's other stuff there. But, like, uh, let's also not pretend like he was lighting the world on fire this year. Like, he was very middle of the road. He was not a small part of the issues that held back, you know, Michigan State's secondary. And yet, he is drafted. Mel needs to get his flowers at a minimum. He's getting guys into the league that, you know, previously would maybe not have uh, found, found their way there. I mean, look at these guys that got drafted. Yes, Jaden Reed, obviously great. A punter and a, like, a corner from one of the worst pass defenses in the country got drafted in the NFL. It's amazing. Dude, it's, uh, it's something. It's, it's better than not. Um, handful of guys got picked up. Uh, Jacob Slade with the Cardinals and was also a second round pick with the USFL's Maulers. Mm. Um, candidly don't know which, if he can do both. Like, but uh, Ben Van Simmeren, uh workout warrior, drafted by the Eagles, or not drafted, sorry, picked up. Horst, picked up by the Dolphins. Kendall Brooks, picked up by the Cardinals as well. And Xavier Henderson, uh, the Commanders. Any of those guys you think have it? Any outside shot about making a 53-man? If I had to bet on one of them, I'd probably bet on uh, Jacob Slade because, dude, just that type of guy who just eats blocks, yeah, and that's yeah. what he always did so well, can can find a way, even if yeah. he's undersized. Um, so if I had to put my money on any of them, it would be him. Um, I wouldn't write off Kendall Brooks or Xavier Hendo. Actually, like I can make a case for all these guys. I think yeah. the one with the longest way to go is is Horst, just He's, because he he just struggled with being being yeah. really inconsistent. Yeah, Ben Van Samarin, I think has a chance to be like a like a twelve year special teams guy. Yeah. Like I, I don't I don't know if he's actually a linebacker. And also, it was very funny. Another thing we missed was it was very funny to watch the world be like, "Who is this guy?" Uh, when he was, <laughs> you know lighting that Stats. thing on fire, and they're like. And I'm thinking to myself, like, oh, they haven't turned the tape on yet. <laughs> he fact, he no. is going to be. Ben was like, don't do it. Let's let's not. What if it's better? Just, it's better this way. Yeah. My, what uh, happened to our imagination? Have uh, you seen my shuttle time? Can I direct yeah. attention over here? I I have to say that like he, I I think him running sprinting down the field as fast as he can and trying to hit guys on special teams, I think he'll do very that well. Works. And I want nothing nothing but success for him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's where we'll leave it. Kendall Brooks, you think it's just fast enough? Um, Kendall Brooks can hit, man. He hits like a Mack truck. I think we like he he popped off the tape in terms of his ability to deliver a hit. So, uh, yeah, and he was fast enough. Um I think that was the thing that kind of blew my mind about Amir's speed, to be quite honest with you, because he did not look fast on tape, and then he ran like a 4-3, which was kind of wild to me personally. But, um, yeah, I do love to to give, again, like Mel Tucker deserves a lot of credit. That's a cultural thing at Michigan State that's changed quite a bit since he took over. It's just like NFL uh, access to players and teams and uh, or players and like their workout and their their prep for pro days and stuff. So I don't think that's a coincidence that we're seeing some fringe guys get taken when, um, you know, maybe they wouldn't have previously. So I do think that's a good piece that he's uh, instilled in the program. Well, um, 
all all around, I think I think the biggest takeaway for us is that if there are three dudes drafted, yeah, that's uh, six and six, five and seventeen. Yeah, I mean, like back to the basketball thing. It's like you didn't have pros, You're not going to win a match. Right. Like, well, you got three dudes drafted. Um, one we were shocked by. Like, yeah, that's not a. <laughs> that's sorry. It's it's. Uh, only Mark D'Antonio, and even he had more pros drafted, you know, per year once things were cooking. So, I don't know. Um, hopefully, you know, we start to see uh, as more talent comes into the program, you're going to be more pros, and that means more wins, too, ideally. So, yep. unfortunately, this past spring, lost a few dudes, can't avoid it. Uh, Charles Brantley left, came back, happy again, <laughs> after a <laughs> dip in his toe in. And by the way... I think every single player should dip their toe in the portal. I'm no, it, it, it's the same as the NBA combine. I agree. It, it, like AJ Hogard and like uh, Jaden Aiken both put their name in. And I don't think and some people sure. like were up in arms. It's like, why would you not do that? Like it, it, they're, they're silly. And Izzo is probably encouraging them to do it. Like go get the feedback. Let them tell you what they what they think you need to get better at and guess what if somebody gives you a guarantee go be better you're not going to stay at michigan state you know forever so i yeah i i i would agree with you like i can't begrudge any of them for putting their name in the portal and just seeing what happens yeah i mean what we're obviously referring to is how much are you worth like someone will tell mm-hmm. you like i promise they'll call so <laughs> uh it's like we lost a few other guys uh tank brown uh hamp Fay. AJ Kirk, and then most notably, Peyton Thorne and Keon Coleman. Uh, Peyton Thorne to Auburn, Keon Coleman to Florida State. Uh, after a little bit of time where we thought maybe he may come back to Michigan State, obviously did not. Um, there's one pro that I mentioned, Keon Coleman. Um, obviously, losing the quarterback is never a good thing, or you'd think a, a two-year starter at that. But I think that there are a lot of opinions on that. Um, some, mm-hmm. some maybe all valid. You know, so there's a little bit of truth to all of them. But regardless, uh, let's start with Keon. Um, pretty huge loss. I mean, there's no good way yeah. to. Spin that. Yeah, there's really no good way to paint. The, so, so I do want to just zoom out. Like you said, a lot of the names that you said, Brantley. Take Brantley out because he's back. Thorne, Coleman, Brown, Fay, and Kirk. Thorne and Coleman obviously played. The other three, you, you didn't see much of anything from. This is the natural rotation of a roster. This is always going to happen. Guys at the bottom of the depth chart are going to leave, as they should, to try and find places that they're going to play more. Not surprising. No harm, no foul. I hope they all find you know, success in, in what they're looking for. Thorne and Coleman, I think, are, are unique, and they're worth separating. Thorne, you know, on the surface, right? Like it's not, it's not great when at the eleventh hour, not- your your two year starter quarterback throws his name into the transfer portal, uh, allegedly, or you know, from the rumblings amid basically like. But, but I, I think what I'm trying to say is like there's more to that situation. That doesn't happen. If that quarterback at a power five program has 
the confidence that he is going to keep his job. Yep, That's exactly. period. Call a spade a spade. Like he was in, and it's <laughs> one thing you find very interesting is that if you were to look at the spring game, like he did get the most reps, but whenever you read anything or hear anything from any of the coaches, they say, Oh, that's just how the, the dice fell that way. They're splitting reps basically three ways during all the spring practices. If you are the, the rising, you know, I think he's technically like what he'd be a third year. He'd be a third year, a third year starter. So whatever class he is, I don't know, junior, senior, whatever it ends up being since COVID and they all have a million years now. Uh, either way, you're walking into your third season. You have an 11 win season under your belt. You battled through injuries last year and you still don't have the confidence of your offensive coordinator and your yeah. head coach that for better or worse, like whether they're right or wrong, you can't blame that guy for putting his name in the hat and not wanting to be a part of that. I mean, I don't, I don't blame him whatsoever. I think, and then you look at Coleman, Coleman is the one that really stands out here. Like that, that one hurts. There's no way around it. Like he is a pro, potentially a first rounder. And I think, um, you know, from what you hear from other people, somebody got in his ear, especially with Jaden Reed going second round. And they said, well, imagine what he would have done with, you know, a better quarterback, this, that, and the other. And so you hear Keon Coleman says, I want to go out. I want to play with a great quarterback, et cetera, et cetera. You could see how him saying that and Thorne feeling this way wouldn't exactly lead either of them in this place. Like, oh, we really need to stay and stick it out and try and run this thing back for another year. So Coleman ends up at Florida State. Uh, was looking all over the place. He did an official to Ole Miss. Um, both of those schools have, I mean, really good quarterbacks. Jordan Travis at Florida State took a huge step last year at, at Ole Miss. They have Jackson Dart, five-star transfer from USC, and Spencer Sanders, who transferred from Oklahoma State. So, again, not shocking. He wants a big profile. He's joining a team that is going to be right up there at the top of everybody's preseason rankings, probably going to be picked by a lot of people to win the ACC over Clemson. Um, put himself in the limelight. And, and I think the, the, the scary thing here for Michigan State fans is that you don't want to become this feeder school where you have a guy, he turns into a pro, and then he leaves for his last year to go play at, you know, in SEC school. That's not the position you want to find yourself in. And that's what happened here. We just, again, call it like it is. That is what happened here. So Michigan State is going to need to do a lot to protect themselves from having this happen because they have two pretty good recruiting classes back to back stacked now. So a lot of the bottom part of this roster, the younger half is going to be in a position where, you know, they're going to get ready to be the stars of this team in this upcoming season. And Michigan state's got to make sure that they feel comfortable and that they can keep them around because you don't want to run into situations like this very often. I do think it's also worth saying that, Every team in the country has been affected by the portal and lost great players. Um, I mean, there's literally no program that is unscathed. So to a, to a certain degree, this was inevitable. Mm -hmm. But the way it happened, I think, is, is what's a little bit ominous for MSU fans and um, something that's going to have to be monitored very, very closely. Who's ready for spin zone? Oh, me, baby. Always. Okay. Sit back. Hang in there. What if, okay, first of all, I think we need to truly question the 
thinking process of any person who's choosing to go play Bama as their arch. Oh, oh, we're talking Thorn. Well, yeah, because I, I just want to look. Oh, yeah. Start there because I'm going mm-hmm. big picture here. You got to question anybody that would do that. Okay. And you never want Bama. I think we know that that's the rule. Mm-hmm. We know that the key losing Keon, and as you were mentioning earlier, that you know the best players, if they shine, everyone's on the market, right? Immediately. Well, okay. And you want to be on the market, and you kind of also need to be a winner because there's that too. Because these kids still want to win, you know? Yep. So here's where I stand with how these combine. Peyton Thorne came back this year and, and started, which very well, very uh, well could have happened, probably would have happened, at least the beginning of the year. He would have been a senior, and then he would have been gone no matter what happened this year. And then you start next year with a brand-new quarterback again. And you talked about that young core that is finally going to start getting playing time. They're going to play. You're going to see flashes from a lot of them. You're going to see them take some lumps. And I would rather do that with a, either Noah Kim or Kaden Hauser than with Peyton Thorne. Because I think you're going to have um, kind of a mid team this year, but at least they'll be mid and young. And then you look at the 2024 schedule, it's very, very manageable. Mm-hmm. Like all of a sudden you're building towards something, right? And if you can get through this year, make a bowl, um, break in and feel really good about whoever that quarterback is so they can enter a year two you can feel pretty good about the idea of returning anyone that pops because you're kind of, you can look ahead at that schedule and say it's worth investing in these kids, you know, because Mel Tucker will absolutely be on the win. Absolutely. Now no more excuses seat. And -hmm. we'll find every dollar and every coin uh, and couch cushion to make sure that all those kids that popped with the second year quarterback coming back, are ready to take on a manageable 2024 schedule. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But that's, in my eyes, the situation, and it seems good. Like, it's not immediate. Our arch rivals are still back-to-back champions and make the playoffs and are going to have an amazing team again. (laughs) At least you can look ahead and say, like, well, all is not completely lost. There is a potential still light at the end of the tunnel, in my eyes. Yeah, it it almost feels in a way like MSU is at the position where they should like coming into this year where they really should have been going into last year. Like yeah. that eleven win season, especially when you go back and look at that roster, looks like more and more of an you know sadly more and more of an aberration and just a testament to how incredible Kenneth Walker is than anything else. Um, in reality, the roster overall is in a much healthier place today than it was then. And you, like you said, I think you look at it now and you get this feeling of like, okay, something's building. We can look at this season through that lens where there are not the expectations. In a way, it's great because like there really aren't the expectations to do anything more than make a bowl game. I mean, like it's a hard, like it, it's a hard schedule being in this conference you're always going to get that um but there are winnable games on there and like i don't think msu is going to go into it i mean last year if we're being honest like they they were expected to win a lot of games like the, the expectations were high for good reason because of how they performed the year before 
And, you know, they, they were pretty much let down, like more or less right away because that, that opening game against Western Michigan was like very unimpressive. And it just felt like you got off on this weird foot and like never really had a good vibe at like any point during that season. Cause then Washington was a disaster. And then it felt like every win was pulling teeth. People got hurt. It just like all sort of the tunnel stuff. Like it just all sort of spiraled. See, almost in a way it's, it's, you know, you hate to lose a guy like Coleman. It's, it's bad optics to lose a guy like Thorne, but in reality, you're looking at now kind of this fresh slate in a way where it's like, okay, we know where we are as a program. We actually think we're healthier. We're deeper, which is without question true. We're trending upwards from a talent perspective. We've got a couple of young freshmen that we think could pop on both sides of the ball. We're stronger in the trenches. Like this team is better equipped to handle a new quarterback than any of the teams have been so far previously. So, uh, you know, like you said, be it Kim, be it Hauser, I think that they are going to go into this situation with very little pressure on them. Like, yes, you'll be a new starter, but like, you're not going to be expected to come in here and light the world out fire and be the team that backs up the 11 win season. Like they had to be, you know, like Thorne had to be last year. So, and as I look at this team, like quite honestly, I, I expect them to be substantially better than last year. They're deeper honestly, the defense with some of the transfers that they've gotten in and some of the freshmen and like young kids that are rising should be substantially better than it was last year. And we've said this a million years, it feels like they don't need to be good. They just need to be not horrible. And then <laughs> like, honestly, the secondary just needs to not be the worst. Our standards, football. our pores, our standards of slipping. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But, but, but again, like the offense, I think doesn't necessarily, they're not, it, it if the defense can just make those little incremental improvements, which they should be able to do, they should, they absolutely should. Um, this offense shouldn't be relied upon to, to have to score 35 points a game. There shouldn't be that pressure on this young quarterback. You might actually have a relatively consistent and productive team that might only net out in six, seven wins, but I think you'll see a much less like scatter shot type of operation this year than you did last year, which felt like, the world was on fire all the time. Yeah. Brutal. Well, yeah, I guess you could say like it was as bad as 2021 was good. Like it was just yeah. a bummer. So, you know, this year, I think we just look at it through the lens, like you said, of building towards something. And um, that 2024 schedule is released. Looks like we'll have Florida Atlantic, uh, Louisiana, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio State, Purdue, and Rutgers at home. Like, you got to feel really good about, like, very good about five of those, uh, or six of those seven at home. And then away games at Boston College, Maryland, Michigan, Nebraska, and Penn State. Three feel manageable, two feel bummery. So, like, is it a 12 and 0 season? No. But you're getting back to a fun uh program that's on the verge of maybe another thing if you can put together a 2024 class that is even better than the 2022 and 23 which Austin is not going well. So I think 
that's why we decided to record a podcast and try and will them a uh, a new yeah. here. I mean, they only have two or three uh, right that, now. Yeah, three. Yeah. It's not great. It's not I, good. I will, but but let's let, yeah. Correct. So, guys, would really love it if you could pick that up. Uh, our rivals down the way have uh, 19 commits, which, yeah, they're operating from a slightly different place, but we sure would like to keep we, – we'd like to stay within, uh, like, a, a country mile of that at some point. Um, I, I have to say this. I, just like it is with the players, I feel as though this program is finally starting to level set from just an internal operations standpoint. Like, Saeed Khalif – and Brandon Jordan, wow, they definitely they brought a great recruiting class to Michigan State last year. You can't help but feel like they left meat on the bone because there weren't a lot of backup options when they missed out. And a lot of those high-profile guys that they got on campus, it yeah. feels as though, and I can't remember his name, but the new director of football operations, you know, uh, plus some of these new assistant coaches that they brought in, um, there's been a tone shift. It was at one point in time was very in your face, very tough coming, like all this glitz and glam and photo shoots with Lambos and all that stuff. And the photo shoots still exist, but they do for every team. It's a little bit less of a noisy thing right now. I think the team has kind of like retreated into itself and we've sort of realized like, okay, we got burnt by going that route, a route we've never really gone before. Let's get back to doing what we want to do and define ourselves as a program. So I, I mean, you, you hear it's a little bit of a quieter summer, but um, hopefully things can can start to click and maybe this kind of culture reset in a way will be really, really beneficial for everybody going forward because you just, you know, we, we put a little too much dip on the chip last year and on the field, it uh, it did not end great. So hopefully a little bit of, little bit of sanity will go a long ways. Could be a little June momentum. We'll reevaluate. We'll be here along the way, commenting, mm-hmm. right? Um, we will. Yeah, man. Is this a good one? Is this good ease in? Yeah, you know, I feel like we got our sea legs back a little bit there. Um, yeah, it just feels good. It feels good yeah. to be back on the cans. Feels good to talk again. You know, record some stuff. Hopefully, listen, guys. Another another honesty hour here. If this gets posted. John and I deserve a medal because we are, we're not we're, we're, we're not entirely sure what we're doing here, which is going to not surprise anyone. We're flying a little blind right now. Excited but to hey, go. we're here for you guys. We're excited to talk to you. We're 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 very very happy to be back. Um, and uh, yeah, don't forget that this show was presented by Bet Online. Ooh. You were oh. nice shot. Nice work. Uh, get, a, get the hang of that. Um, and if you want to sponsor, um, let us know. And please and do. We will, we will be super buttoned up. I actually promise you. If if yeah, small request. Listen, we are we're show ponies. Okay, when the <laughs> lights are on and bright. The dollar signs are flashing. We're gonna give you our A game. So don't make make no mistake. But um, okay, I think that does it, right, John? Let's get let's figure out how to get this bad boy posted. Woo. All right, everybody. For John, this has been Austin. We'll catch you next time. Yep. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.